Zen Parenting Radio. My name's Todd. And this is Kathy. All right, welcome back. We have a awesome show planned. And when I say awesome, I mean awesome. The, What's this thing we're the doing? The best. We're talking about, I get this magazine that I love called Spirituality and Health. It's actually a very good magazine. It's really good. And I think it comes once every two months. I don't think it's a monthly. Bi-monthly. It's bi-monthly. But anyway, there's a great article um, this month called Unveil- Unraveling Empathetic Distress. We're going to talk about what empathetic distress means, but it's just, I was just saying to Todd as I, he was just reading it, and I was just saying to him how great it is to have language, have words to describe these experiences that a lot of us have as parents or in our relationships with our significant others, or maybe we remember it from our childhood, because once we have a word, we can get our arms around it and and kind of see ourselves more clearly. But until it's described to us in that way, it's very hard to know that it's normal. Second topic that is completely related. Yes, is uh, a lot of times parents have the case of the wees. The wee, the wee wees. Not the wee wees. The wees. <laughs> so the wees are when there's no separation between parent and child. And what I mean by that is say, yeah, we just want to make sure that we make the soccer cut so yes. we can get on the team. Yes. And how that is kind of a some people are like oh well what's the big deal we're going to explain why it's a big deal we are and in clinical terms that's sometimes called enmeshment where you you can't differentiate between yourself and the other person again I'm not saying if you've said we then you are an enmeshed person but in clinical language that's what we discuss you call it enmeshment I call it a case of the weeds <laughs> um, but first our awesome partner Helping Hands Maid Services Helping Hands and so something cool I was just on the on Facebook and I was just on their Facebook page. And they just posted this thing about if you have, because you know how there's a lot of salt on the roads right now and everything. And so not the you, people in Florida; they don't know what you're talking okay, about. Okay, so Chicagoans have a lot of salt on their cars. If you're uh, from a different place around the United States, then you may not have this issue. Yeah, don't worry. But they worry might about have it. gravel or something, or or like just dirt. Anyways, get to it. Okay. If you clean your headlights with toothpaste, it actually gets all that grime off, and then your your lights can shine brighter. And that's what Zen Parenting is all about. Bright tips. shining lights. Oh, bright shining lights. Yes. And tips. So anyway, that was on the Helping Hands Facebook page. So go to their page to but get tips But don't use like that. your spouse's toothbrush to do it. Right. Unless you're mad at him or her. And then put it back. But it'd be pretty dirty because it'd be full of salt and yeah. such. Salt so and grime. They'd know. But anyway, Helping Hands, they've um, been around since 2001. They're a, a business that... Um, What's, what's the language that you always use? They run... It's a real business. It's a real business. It's not That's a woman answering her cell phone. It is a real business. Right. Very professional, insured, professional. All that kind of stuff. And we love them and we have them come and clean our house. Once a month. Mm-hmm. And it's a great day every time they show uh, up. It is. And Thank even you, ladies. the day before and the day after because I know they're going to come yeah. and then they've just come. So you've increased the quality of your day three days for one. <laughs> it's a three for one deal. It's a, th- it's a three for. It's a three for. <laughs> Um, but helpinghandsmaidservices.com, 630-530-1324. If you want to go through that extra effort, go ahead and like them on Facebook. Helping Hands. Because they have a lot of tips. All right. Um, so enmeshment slash the wheeze slash unraveling empathetic distress. So do you want to start with empathetic distress? Sure. What it is? Sure. So basically, I'll just kind of summarize what this article talks about. Um, empathetic distress is when you are in relationship with someone. Let's say this is your partner, just to make it clean. And you have something happen to you, and you would like to share it with them, but you don't because you know that their emotional response is going to be so much bigger than yours that it's going to be even more of a pain in the butt to deal with because they almost feel like it's happening to them. Right. And so they're kind of over the top about this. Maybe this could be your mother or your 
mother-in-law. Maybe it could be your significant other. It doesn't really matter. Your kid. It could. Well, I think it's more the parent to the kid. Yes, that's what I, I mean. Oh, yeah. yeah. But then that's the other way. Like, I'm talking about us. Who would have empathetic distress when we're dealing with them? Right. I think we have that with our children. Right. I'm, I'm confusing it with the wees. Yeah, the wee-wee. Sorry. Um, Not so, the wee-wee. <laughs> but but that's a good definition. But you want to know what my definition is? What? It's over-identifying with someone else's plight can actually prevent us from being able to play a supportive role. Is that really what your definition is? That is, is? my definition according to this magazine. Well, that I that's just you just basically it. plagiarized someone else's words. No, thank you. Who wrote this? Um, Maurice Taylor. Yeah, Maurice and Taylor. And Sienna McGee. Um, well, and it, it's just like a one-page article. It's very simple. But you guys know what I mean. Like, I have a girlfriend who has told me that a lot of times she doesn't share things with her husband because she's like, I'm already dealing with so much distress that if I go to him and tell him what's going on, he, like, dumps all his anxiety on me. He gets worried. He he cannot handle it. So she's like, I don't want to go to him because he makes it worse. And I would say that there's probably, Todd, some men out there that would probably say that about their significant others as well. Yeah, it's not worth uh, telling you girls because it's not worth hearing you guys get upset over. Right. Does that make sense? It, it does, but let me... Uh, talk about this from the empathetic distressor's point of view because okay. I have some of this. Okay. This is why I thought this was interesting. Can you give me an example when you say you have some of this? Just make, uh, up, make up an example. Well, it doesn't have to be true. I, well, can I tell a little story in sure. front of that? Is one of the things that I have learned, and I actually, no, we were talking about this on the retreat, so it was a different time, but one of the things that I finally embraced about myself that I used to think was a problem was the fact that when I'm with people, I usually can feel what they're feeling. Um, meaning that if they're if they're feeling heavy, I can feel it. If I walk in a room, I can feel it. You just have an intuition. I just have an intuition, and I always have, and a lot of people do. This isn't... I, no, I, just you. No, not just me. Just a lot of people have this. Um, but what that what goes with that, before I embraced that and understood that, is a lot of times when someone would come to me with something that was going on, I would feel that pain or that anxiety and I would like feel the need to solve it for them not just because I cared about them but because I needed to solve it for me mm -hmm. because if they were going through that distress then I was in distress so why are you trying to solve somebody else's problems because it's deeper than that the thing is is that's why I told the story about who I am because part of and this can be a, a male or female thing okay um all of us have the ability to feel other people. Okay. I believe we're, that's, we're all connected, right? Yeah. Um, but I think some people just, maybe it, it comes easier. That just comes easier to me, okay. you know? Um, and so I don't want to solve somebody else's problem, but when I feel them in distress, I can't help but want to do that because what am I trying to do? Not only help them, but I'm trying to help myself. Because you're uncomfortable. I'm uncomfortable in their discomfort. Right. And so I, I'm sure I did this growing up, you know, in my family, like if anyone was upset or I, I couldn't manage that. Okay. And then as I grew up, it happened with my friends. Oh, it definitely happened with you. Mm -hmm. I mean, you would tell me something, uh, something that you're worried about. Todd, this is the whole first beginning of our relationship when I would carry your emotion. Oh, yeah. I know Remember? that. Remember? I do. So what would happen with Todd is because Todd... How do I say this? You're going to try to say it without getting into trouble? Yes. He would um, experience something... That was uh, saddening. That was saddening? And, is that a word? Saddening? Yeah, yeah, it is. Yes. Okay. And I would... Um, Push not, it off on me. I would <laughs> numb it and not feel it. And, he, and it had to go somewhere. And you are such an open channel... You would take it. So he'd tell me the story or he'd be like, this is what's going on. And I'd be like, oh my gosh, I can't believe that's going on. And I had such so, a... So how about this? An example. Okay. And I'm just making this up. Let's say I got in a big fight with my brother at a family dinner. Right, right. And then we get in the car 
because this didn't happen. So right. I'm not worried about upsetting my brother. Right. And then I would get in the car. And I'd be like, eh, well, you know, that's just the way it goes. And I'd be like, what do you mean that's the way it goes? Right. Oh, my gosh, it's so big and it's so painful. And, and oh, oh, and I would carry that emotional and I'd be. And then see, I would I, and then I would say something like, why are you getting so upset? <laughs> yeah. And so what ends up happening in a relationship is I end up looking like crazy, yeah. like crazy woman. And I'm the and numb end one up, who isn't dealing with my issues. But for a long time, I said, you're such a rock. Yeah. You're so strong. Yeah. You're with, such a through rock. Through Linda's help, you replaced that that word rock and switched it to numb and that was much more accurate that was much more accurate and here's the thing that's interesting is this is an experience where you were actually doing that so i could go through the painful experience you didn't want to go through so in a way my empathetic distress helped you what this article is talking about is more when you are really missing a partnership piece because you can't share everything mm-hmm. with me because I wouldn't be able to manage it. Okay. So does that make sense? I think it makes more sense. What, what that means is you would come to me and I would get upset. And so I was kind of serving a role for you. Mm-hmm. This is where if you you couldn't manage my reaction, so you so wouldn't tell me. I wouldn't even say it. I because I would have such an over-the-top response. And I think this is important for parents because a lot of times this is why children don't come to us. So so put it back in this example. So let's say I got in a fight with my brother uh-huh. at dinner, but you weren't there. Uh-huh. And I was really upset. But I wouldn't even tell you. Because I would be even more upset. Because you would. And then I'd have to deal with. One, the situation, but two... And me. And you having to break down. Like, I might be like... And I, and again, we're doing hypotheticals. I wouldn't do this. But, you know, why don't you do this? Or you should say this. Or I can't believe that happened. Or how dare they... Like, I would get so emotionally so invested. So all of a sudden, I have to deal with my brother's issues. And your I have to issues. Deal with and your my issues. issues. Yeah. And so it's like this... It got... I, I look at it as so a fire. So what does that mean? Just don't get upset? No. So, like, what is my advice to you? Let's say you did get upset. Like, what can I say to you to say, hey... You, it, it's. I have enough issues here. I don't need to have to deal with your issues also. Well, Does that you, make sense? Yeah. Oh, absolutely. And you can bring it to my attention. But right. as we always say on the show, you're not going to change me. Right. The person who needs to make that shift is me. Right. So, But how do I bring that to your awareness? You bring it to my awareness. So but you don't bring it to my awareness. The in reason it. I... Like, let's say you found out accidentally. Okay. And you'd say, well, why, how come you didn't tell me? And I'd be like, because I know you're going to be upset and it's not worth getting you all upset over because I'm having a hard time navigating through this and I don't want to have to deal with you also. Right. And, but that language is not very kind. No. I'm having a hard enough time. I don't want to deal with you. Yeah. Instead, it's when I've come to you, Okay. I notice that you get so upset about it as if it's happened to you too. Mm-hmm. And I hesitate to tell you because I notice how it upsets you so much. And then I feel like I need to take care of you. Mm-hmm. And so I'm coming to you with my problem. That's what I was trying to say to you. <laughs> Those words? Yeah. I'm coming to you with my problem, and all of a sudden, I'm taking care of you. So how about this? We qualify it. Let's say have the fight with my brother, and I say, Kathy, I'm going to tell you something, but I need you to know that I'm trying to deal with this, and I need you to support me instead right. of make me feel worse about it. Yes, or it it does. You're you're right on target. And again, you and I in our words, you just say things a little more bluntly than I do. Right. That's it. You're not wrong. Right. Um, but it's you know yes you know can or I'm going to tell you something, and I know these things tend to upset you, but right now I'm looking for support. Mm-hmm. And and then I should ask permission. I say, can I? Is can this I, something you're ready yeah, to can hear? You do it? And then you're going to say, well, what is it? Right. Well, we're kind of we're talking in hypotheticals. So this right. is crossing over into. We're we're trying to pretend, right? So can we talk about other people because that what you just said to me wouldn't happen, and what I just said to you wouldn't happen. Okay, well let's talk about other people. Okay, so 
let's talk about, I had someone, I had an idea in mind. Okay, so let's say you have a couple and the, um, you know, the man comes home or one of the people comes home, it doesn't matter who it is, and there's an issue with money. Okay. And says, you know, I'm not sure what to do with this. This worries me. This concerns me. And then the other person, the other person in the relationship is like, oh my gosh, I can't believe this is happening. This is worse than I thought. And then all of a sudden, I mean, it's the same issue. I'm just basically, well, but I just wanted to get it off us because it's like this fine line between real and not real. Well, I'm going to give you a real one. Okay. There was a time when I thought that we had a hard time with our apartment building investment. Oh, yes. And I felt horrible about it. Yes. And I told you about it. And you were so low-key because I felt like, how did I... Because whatever. The, we thought it was upside the down. The market went the wrong this way. And recession. I thought that we were totally screwed. Right. And your reaction was one of greatness because my I thought... I said to myself, how did I put our family in this position? I felt like a failure. I felt awful. And you are just like, whatever. It's just money. So you handled it the way I think we're trying to help people understand it. Do you yeah, know what I mean? I do. Versus the reaction that you were about to give in this hypothetical, which was, oh my God, what are we doing? How do we fix this? Blah, blah, blah. And I get a lot more invested in relationships than I do in things like money and stuff. Right. So like you... So it doesn't matter to you. Well, I, I, it I matters. I mean, it was I, it was a blow. Yeah. I mean, I'm not saying that that wasn't... That was but easy But you also for me. had it in perspective. Yeah. It okay. wasn't... We're going to live. Are we together? Are we healthy? Right. It's fine. Right. Um, but I think sometimes when our children get... Or when one of us gets hurt, mm-hmm. or when our children get hurt, uh, the our emotions get a little higher level. I mean, money can take us to an extreme too. I know that that can be a real trigger for people, but I really feel like, um, it's the emotional experiences that really, and what we do is we, we piggyback on their, we just, all of our stuff that's unresolved. Mm -hmm. This is what I'm trying to get to. We dive into their experience and bringing all of our crap and we make it 10 times worse. Exactly. Like a child comes home and says, let's get it to children, parent. A child comes home and says, so-and-so wasn't nice to me today. Mm -hmm. And the parent's like, oh my gosh, I can't believe that. We give them rides to school. Why would she not be nice to us? Is she hanging around with the wrong kids? What's wrong with her? All of a sudden, they become more emotionally invested in how this person treated your child when it could be a simple, that child didn't even mean to treat your child. Could have been a simple miscommunication. Simple miscommunication. And here's the thing we always talk about in the show. When a child or anybody comes to you with something that could mm. be volatile or heavy, do you bring more anxiety to it right. or do you bring calm to it? Think about it like a fire. Mm-hmm. Are you going to throw gas on it right. or are you going to try and gently put it out? Well, in, in my example, and I know you want to get off the money thing, but that's exactly what you did. You basically brought calmness to it and everything else so to your point regarding um parents and children if you bring anxiety to a situation it makes it that much more less likely that your kid is going to come to you next time say your kid got bullied at school and you fly off the handle and you react and all of a sudden everybody's involved in the and your your son or daughter's embarrassed because of it and there's no calmness brought to it if it happens a week later, do you think that kid's going to come to you Never. again? Never. Right. And the thing is, is can you realize, if you're relating to this word, empathetic distress, mm-hmm. that you go off the handle every time somebody tells you something that happened to them, and all of a sudden you feel like it's also happened to you and that you need to solve it and that you have all these issues. If you can see yourself in this, can you recognize that you're not... That you are bringing up your own triggers and bringing them into the situation. Right. And so it's really not... You can say, well, I just care about my kids. No. Right. 
it's actually more about what's going on in you. Right. I'm not saying you don't care about your kids. I'm just saying that heightened response of more anxiety is not love. Well, and I think what you're saying is, and I'm I'm reading right out of this article, so I apologize for that, but uh, it says, in a state of empathetic distress, you can feel another person's pain even more intensely than the actual victim. And that gets to what you were saying about how you bring, how is that possible? Because it it didn't even happen to you. And the reason it's possible is because you bring your own baggage to the situation. Exactly. So I think it's important to be able to identify what your baggage is and if your baggage is playing a role in the situation, if it is, you got to get that out of it. And what that what the baggage is is something that's happened in the past that feels similar. Mm-hmm. Like your child comes home, and I'll, an example that I use a lot, um, but I think a lot of parents can relate to this. You were shy, mm-hmm. okay? Your parent, you were shy. Your child is demonstrating some behaviors of being shy. Mm-hmm. Again, being shy is not a personality type. Right. It is an emotional experience. Right now, I'm feeling shy but later I won't be. Um, So you are noticing shyness in your child and all of a sudden you get all bent out of shape about it and you're trying to push them into things and make them do things and make them talk to people and get them in activities because you don't want them to experience what you experienced. They are not you. Mm -hmm. That was your experience. And maybe you can take from your experience a few little pieces like, you know what, I'm going to be a better listener. I'm going to advocate for my child. I'm going to maybe have an open communication. It doesn't mean you just completely throw in the towel and say, well, I can't do anything. But you don't go into a hyper state of emotional distress. Is that what? No, empathetic distress. Empathetic distress. Where you take it on as it's you all over again. You know, one thing that I say to a lot of people that... um, that it, I love this statement is when I have friends or um, clients or people in my group who are have their children who are teens or preteens and they're going through middle school and high school and they're using a lot of the we stuff mm-hmm. that we're about to talk about. Yeah. I will say to them, don't go through high school again. Yeah. You're done. Yeah. Don't go through middle school again. Allow your child to go through and experience it and you support them. Right. If you're going to go through all these motions with them, it is not going to help them because mm-hmm. then you can't be a strong foundation for them. Right. You got to get your butt out of middle school. Right. You are whatever age you are, and they need you to not be in this state of empathetic distress. Well, what's interesting is, is the tagline underneath the article. It says the dark side of compassion. Mm. So it's funny. You feel like you're serving your child because you are compassionate towards their situation. Which is good. Which is good, but there, if it goes too far in that direction then all of a sudden, it not only are you not helping your kid or the situation, you're actually hurting them. Exactly. And it's funny because I think it's important to talk about compassion because this is be, the reason empathetic distress happens is because you love somebody in a way that you can't even get your separate, arms around. Separate, and yeah. you can't separate. And if there's that, there's the love and the compassion, which like you said, there's that's beautiful. Mm-hmm. But then there's unhealed trauma in you. Which goes back to what we always talk about. Exactly. Know yourself. Take care of yourself. Yeah. And don't try to fix your kid. Do whatever you can to fix yourself. And then a few other things. So I'm always into, okay, so what do we tell people to do? And once again, I'm cheating and copying out of this article. The first step is to recognize a basic truth. As as counterintuitive and unloving as it may seem, no one is fully responsible for another person, for their feelings, or how their life unfolds. And talk about that sentence packs a wallop. It does. Because we think, I don't know if it's nature or nurture, but we think that we do have the ability to 
be responsible for the well-being of our child. Mm-hmm. But we're not. No. They are. They are. And our job is to support them. Just and like what you just said. And to keep giving it back to them. Right. It, with support. Like, yeah. keep giving their life back to them. Helping them when they're struggling and then giving it back to them. You know what I say in um, my college class that I teach? The first two or three weeks, I focus on, you can't change people. Mm-hmm. And they'll be like, what do you mean? That's why I'm becoming a social worker. They have to make the decision to change. What you do is you bring in support, you bring in tools, you bring in guidance, you bring in inspiration, you listen, you validate, you do all those things that you're so gifted in Mm -hmm. and that you're being trained to do. You understand theory, but then they have to do it. And you can't take responsibility for their successes. Yeah. And you can't take responsibility for their their failures. failures. And that's, and as parents, it's somewhat similar. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? And I say somewhat because there's some fine lines where... We do have to protect we have our responsibilities. children. Right. We do have responsibilities. See, and I've said this before, but if I were to have a mission statement as a parent, it would be to keep them safe and get out of their way. Yeah. And you could pick that apart and say that's the stupidest thing I've ever heard. But really, it works my, for my you. basic idea is make sure they're not going to run into the street when they're two years old and get mm-hmm. hit by a car. You may need to even hold them back. Or make sure they understand sexuality or make sure that they understand what alcohol does to you and what happens if you get behind the car when behind the wheel when you're 16 years old that's keeping them safe equipping them equipping them with the tools and then get out of their way right and give them enough space to make hopefully small mistakes that's right because really no matter how great of a dad i am they're going to learn a lot more from a uh, situation that happened they're going to learn more from life yeah and so what you are equipping them with is how to deal with life and then we have to let them go live and again at every age there's a different level of what it means to keep your child safe as todd and i always say you've got to know child developmentally where it's appropriate to let go you know it's not like when my child is five i'm not going to say hey go walk to school by yourself and get there but you know maybe five years later we're going to figure that out so you know, point being is um, there are many different layers to this is depending on which relationship you're referring to. Mm-hmm. It could be the parent-child with empathetic distress. It could be partnership where you have a partner who cannot support you because they're so overly emotionally involved. Right. Well, we're actually going through a situation right now, and I hope you feel comfortable with me sharing this. Um, our girls, our older girls are eight and nine, and I say that it's okay for... I, 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 we're in communication that's okay that they walk home by themselves mm-hmm. with two friends. Mm-hmm. And about a month ago, you weren't so up for the idea and you're kind of slowly getting there. And mm-hmm. obviously I didn't push it, but um, that's the keeping them safe and getting out of their way. Keeping them safe is easier. It's just safer and less can go wrong if we go pick them up. Right. But yet we want to give them the experience of well, they asked for it. being independent and walking home with their friends. Yeah. And, you know, every parenting philosophy is different. Some people are like, of course they can walk home. They're eight and nine years well, old. Well, depends on where you live. Depends. Yeah, there's a lot of different factors but where we are whether we're right or wrong that's something that we have had a discussion on over the last month or so Mm -hmm. saying you know maybe we should kind of give them a little more leash and so that's just a a very um it's an example that of something we're going through right now the balance between keeping them safe and then letting them and a lot of it is self-awareness what am i afraid of what am i worried about what issues do i have what stories have i heard because that's the filter that I'm viewing this through. Right. You know, if we just assume, well, if I let my child do that, they're going to be snatched. Well, what TV shows have you been watching? Right. Because the the literal statistical information on that is not that case. Well, and I'm so black and white. Um, and I'm sorry to interrupt if mm-hmm. I interrupted you. But <clears throat> it's weird because the odds are less likely that a kid's going to get snatched if I pick them up outside of school every day until they're 16 years old. <laughs> All right. But what is... 
how is that going through their life? You right. know, there's a balance between the two. Right. People get killed in the car on the highway every day. Why do I get in the car? Because it increases my chances of getting in a car accident. Right. You got to live this life. You and do. it's that balance between the two. Well, and as I said, the girls have asked for this. It's mm. not something that I'm like, girls, yeah, today I've decided. Yeah. And I, something my mom said to me a while back, which I've kind of uh, remembered in my own parenting, is she said, I knew whether or not to let you do things by the way you asked the question. Mm. If you asked me by saying, hey, mom, I'm going to do this, just wanted you to know, she goes, and I could tell in your confidence that you, I could tell how confident you were that you already knew you could handle it. Mm. She goes, when you came to me and said, hey, mom, do you think I could, Mm. blah, 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 she's like, I could tell that you weren't sure and that maybe you knew you weren't making a good choice and that will that necessitated a discussion. Yeah, that's good. So when my girls come to me and they say, hey, we're going to do this, I have to really think about, hmm, they must be ready for this. Right. Now I got to go through, am I ready for this? Yeah, right. Rather than have this defensive, right. no, you're not, yeah. because we're trying to help them live their own lives. So good let, stuff. let's go on to the we. Okay. Before we do that, we oh. got to talk about Dr. Kelly. Okay. Helping hands, or helping hands, uh, Tree of Life Chiropractic Care. She's actually doing something on... March 16th, uh, she has a food allergy testing thing on Saturday, March 16th. So if you ever wonder if your kids are allergic to anything. Or intolerant of gluten or any of those kind of things. Any sensitivity. Any sensitivity. She's doing a free community workshop at her um, place of business. Which is? Tree of Life Chiropractic Center on Spring Spring Road. Road. I don't have the address, but it's easy enough to find. And and they also are our chiropractors. So Dr. Kelly's awesome. And if you want uh, to... Do that. Go ahead and do it. So, uh, website? Website is chirotree.com. All right. And their phone number is 630-941-8733. Tell them Zen Parenting sent you. Please. All right. So, let's talk about the Wii's. Okay. And it's, it's pretty related. It is. It's related. Something that Todd and I have noticed, you know, we're kind of picking up on people's language a lot. And um, when people will be describing something about their child... And they'll say, well, we decided we're going to get the surgery and we decided that we're going to go, um, you know, what's what's another thing that child's going to do? Oh, we are going to, you know, go to um, this school or we chose yeah. this uh, sport or yeah. we and the parent is like acting as if it's the two of them doing it together yeah. when maybe the decision was made in the support system, but it's the child's life. Right. And I could see somebody saying, well, why are you making such right. a big, deal, big with deal with one word? It's it's not a big deal with that one word, but it tells me that maybe that there's some other things going on that need to be addressed. There needs to be a separation between parent and child. You're, mm-hmm. We're not going to be able to help our kids if we're in it with them. Right. And I, I think we've used that example before, but if your kid comes home and is bullied or whatever, and you instantly go to this place of despair. What are we going to do? What are we going to do about it? then all of a sudden the kid has another person that is there with them in the trenches of this despair. We need to be confident and solid and... And that's what we were just talking about in the last, you know, segment. And I think the the thing that is important, a lot of times when the girls are having a struggle, um, we will say to them, what can I do to help you? Mm -hmm. There is a not, well, what did you do? What did you say? Well, let me tell you what to do. There is a, what what's going on with you? Share what you're feeling. What can I do to help you? So in no way are we saying, are Todd and I saying, that you should not support and help and nurture mm-hmm. and you know be their kind of um, stability as they, they right. make their way out of a dark place or whatever. 
But it means that you can't go, again, as we said in the last segment, you can't go through it with them or else you definitely you have, stay above it. You have that empathetic distress that we were yeah. just talking about. You And the language, we wanted to point it out because you may notice that now you do say that. And it can give you some insight to your emotional connection. Mm. It doesn't mean there's something wrong and that you have to, you know, change everything. It's just interesting. We've just picked up on a lot of people saying that. And how they're talking about something going on with their child. We decided that we're going to do ballet this year. Did you, we, you know, did your child decide that or did you decide that for Because if your child decided it, then say she She or he, if it's a Billy Elliot guy. Right. Because Billy Elliot was good at ballet. He was. And you should, you know, the place where we go here in town where the girls aren't doing dance right now, but when they do do dance, Mm -hmm. the boys there are so amazing. Mm -hmm. I mean, there's just so good. Yeah. Have you ever seen them in the class? You're no, kind of just I'm, nodding I'm along. on my computer. Okay. Anyway, go ahead. Sorry, I don't. I don't. So if you so take the pronoun we out of your household, unless you're saying we are going to Disney World right. or we are going to the restaurant. It's a family thing together yeah. or in partnership. I I do we with you a lot. Yeah, but I, I think in this specific situation, we're talking about parent to child. Yes, we are. So we. Are. That's when the we's uh, are okay. We are right. going to Disney World. We are going to get some French fries because they're so yummy. Right. But we. You, you like that one? I do. Um, but we are going to make the football team, or we won the championship. No, you. No, didn't. you didn't win the championship. Most certainly. <laughs> did. And this happens a lot. I love my dad, but he is somebody who really. Uh, put he used to go to all my practices. Yes, and you can say that. Oh, what a loving dad! <laughs> but as a kid, I could tell you that drove me crazy, and I was too scared to disappoint my you, dad. You loved him. I loved him. So you I didn't want to say, "Dad, don't come to my football practice." Right. But not only would he come, he would help the coaches out, he. even at a time when the coaches weren't asking for help. <laughs> my goodness, God! I totally have flashbacks of all this. <laughs> Like the football stars on my helmet. Right, uh, right. There's a, that, that's another story I'll share. I, haven't we shared that before? Maybe we did, but who knows. Um, if you score a touchdown in a week, you'd get a, a sticker on your helmet. And colleges do it, and high schools do it, and the grade schools started doing it. So, um, I whatever, I had a good game, and I scored a touchdown, or whatever I did right, I was supposed to get like five stickers. And my dad said, "You, we don't do that. We don't want to <laughs> get stickers on our helmets, because the best players don't get it. Uh, as if it's not drawing attention to themselves. But I really wanted the stickers. Of course you did. And I think I even told my dad, okay, I won't get it. And then it was time. Here's your stickers. I put them on anyways. Oh, really? Because I was scared to challenge my coach to say, sorry, me and my dad don't think we should get it. <laughs> we decided. We decided not to do it. <laughs> well, and you know, it's just a perfect example of any situation, parenting situation. When we get into that we mentality, we can start putting those kind of... Um, I don't know, not putting decisions, but we can start making decisions for our children that maybe it'd be best we not be a part of. We can be a part of their support system in their decision-making, meaning they should always, or I want my children to know they can always come to me, but in the end, it's got to be their decision. Well, what I just wrote down is, and this is um, more specific to fathers of sons, I think, and maybe moms to daughters or moms to sons, but... I think a lot of the times the dads are so invested in their kids' sports that they're trying to li- relive their childhood through their kids. Mm-hmm. And I don't even think they recognize it because they love their kids so much. But ask yourself, am I trying to live my relive my life through my kids? Because if you are, that's a disservice to your kid because you don't want to put that type of pressure on him because if, he's, if he doesn't succeed, then you don't succeed. And secondly, you're... 
however old you are, say you're a 40 year old guy like I am, figure out a way to live your life through your own deeds today and not everything through your kids. Think of something competitive, play basketball in the morning or whatever it is, but do something yourself instead of glom on to the kids because it's easy to do because you're paying so much attention to it and you're going to all the games and it's just it's very easy to do do you know you know what the parents will say because this comes up in a lot of teaching things i do they'll say oh i'm not trying to glom on to their experience i just want them to have the same type experience i did Mm -hmm. and that's the same kind of disservice because they shouldn't be having the same kind of experience you did because it's a different time yeah it's a different experience they have yeah it's a different experience literally and so that doesn't mean you don't share your stories and share of your life and say hey how can i help you let's throw the ball around it doesn't mean you completely detach it means you let go of needing it to be a certain way it doesn't have to look the way you think it's supposed to look it may need to go in lots of different directions for your child to to for them to learn what they need to learn and because it's in their highest good for it to go that way instead of controlling it or thinking it should be different or getting so emotionally invested that you feel the need to to interfere where you aren't needed. Yeah, you just need to separate. You're not the same person, and I feel like a lot of the times... We are going to do this. Well, so I guess a fun thing to, you know, for this show is notice if you do that. Yeah, ask your... Yeah, just... just Listen to your language. And and if you do it, you can have a little laugh with it. I'm sure there's times that you and I have done that, too. I mean, we're, we're not always hyper-conscious of what we're saying. Right. Have you ever heard me say that? Do I say that sometimes? No, but but like to your point, I think it's quite possible that we said it. I think most of the time we don't realize what we're saying. Right. We're just kind of... So if we, you know, ask yourself. I think that's a good idea. Yeah. And then if you think we're crazy, I want to hear that, too. Right. I want right. to hear the the other side of the story there, but I, I, I hope and think that most people think we're at least close to being on target with this right. one. Yeah. We decided that they're going to go for Because the... what happens is if you do that when your kid's five, you might still be doing it when your kid's 25. Right. And guess what? That's that they need to be on, <laughs> they, they need to be on their own two feet. That's right. Then. Yeah. I mean, and, and those are the kind of things, gosh, what was I just listening to about how, there comes a point and the the age that this woman was i think i was reading an article but by the time that they're 16 even they have their own direction and their own path and their own they can make a lot of their own choices just i think she was talking about 16 because there's a freedom that comes from having your license and being able to drive you can actually go places mm-hmm. on your own and she was just saying you have to do all these things where you teach your child how to handle life while they're young rather than do life for them rather than walk through every single thing with them and go through every single emotional experience with them. You need to be kind of the person who's standing there who can support them as they're going through it. So by the time they're 16 and on and on and on, they have the tools to do it themselves because it's a disservice to, to do all this stuff for them and then say, okay, go to go off. I know. Well, you hear the stories about the kids who don't know how to do laundry, going to college and stuff like that. Or maybe they don't go to college and they don't have life tools or life skills to manage. You know, it's not just about college. Yeah. And I feel like the older, our kids get the I don't know this is going to come out sounding the wrong the wrong term but the more passive the more um, more observing we have to do and the mm. less direct parenting more allowing more allowing less guidance or rulemaking 
because and it's tricky. It's and we haven't even gotten there yet. Our oldest no. is nine, so even though you see little glimpses of it, you know, just kind of like what I was talking about before, where she will say, "I'm going to run across the street and go do this," and mm-hmm. I have to be like, <gasps> "Yeah, okay, yeah. go do that." Like where she's making her own choices, and if I was to stand in the way, even though she wouldn't have this communication skill, I could hear her in her head thinking. Isn't this what you've taught me to do? Right. Isn't this what you meant when you said, you know, make some choices on your own? Or what do you think? Isn't this what you've been teaching me to do? And so if I teach her that and then I hold her back. Right. Um, but it's not easy because I get scared. Yes. Oh. That's your first uh, oh. That's that's your first reaction. My first reaction fear. is fear. Right. We just had someone at the door. That's why I made that sound. Um, your first reaction, and sometimes it's mine too. But it's okay. You can't change your reaction, no. but you it, hopefully you gain enough space in between your re- reaction and actually what you do with that reaction. You know what I mean? Exactly. The, I I have accepted um, that fear comes up in me. Usually anything Todd shares with me that's kind of big, like <gasps> that's the first thing that comes up and that I have to, sometimes I do have an immediate response, but you're pretty good about knowing that that's my first response. And then I have to breathe through it, relax kind of let go and it's much better. Mm. I don't I try not to make a quick decision yeah. or say something not kind in that feeling of fear right. or say this is the way it's going to be. Um but fear definitely comes up first for me. Mm-hmm. Um What's my first reaction? Um you so I think you often get def- uh when I say defensive that you will no, look I don't. for <laughs> <laughs> I'm you, not getting defensive. <laughs> Remember that uh 60 minute spoof on Saturday Night Live? Martin, and Martin Short. Short has that cigarette. What do you he, mean? And it's like it's like the thing. He's like, no reason to get defensive. He's like, I'm not getting defensive. You're the one getting defensive. That's funny. I do. We should so, actually put that clip so on our page. So you think my reaction is no, defensiveness? No, not defensiveness like you need to fight back, but like you look for how you can fix it immediately. Well, and I think sometimes, <laughs> I think you're right. Sometimes it is defensiveness. Uh, I think that is a very, a very frequent first reaction of mine. Yeah. Well, because aren't we all that way? If we're all trying to do our best and... and you know, especially it, we're trying to say the best thing or we're really conscious of what we're saying. And, and then all of a sudden someone sees what we're doing or saying in a different way and says, well, why did you say that? Then we, of course, are like, wait a second. You don't know what I'm Well, what's thinking. funny about this is I'm doing a men's group on Wednesday night. Mm-hmm. And what we're going to talk about is vulnerability. And um, one of the things that we're going to talk about, about how men uh, choose not to be vulnerable because they don't want to be perceived as weak. By... Uh, by their spouses. Yeah. And the reason I bring that up now is because the reason I get defensive is because if you're saying, if you're giving me friendly feedback, feedback that tells me I didn't do something right. Right. Which shows a sign of weakness. Right. So I think that's especially um, pertinent to the men that might be listening or for the wives who are listening and know their husbands if their reaction might be defensiveness it's because we have issues with vulnerability yeah true i think and we should talk about that on a show we will because you and i are both doing that in our group that's right this um so i think that's good avid company avid company 630-956-1800 painting remodeling all over the chicagoland area tell them kathy and todd sent you jeremy is the owner he's a friend he's really good at what he does and he's busy need, and he's busy and if you have any work that you need done in your house uh painting outside of your house doesn't matter Give him a call, 630-956-1800, avidco.net. Did you have any tournament of bad? I do, and it's actually, t- my friend Mike gave it to me, so it's not even mine, but um, it's more a realization that when you're texting somebody, mm-hmm. even if it's a fun text exchange, and then they start typing, 
and you can see that they're typing something. Uh-huh, like the three dots the are there? The three dots come up, uh-huh. and the three dots are there for a long time, and you get excited. That but it's going to be an awesome It's going to be a really awesome text, and usually it's because they get distracted, and it's just as bad as the last text. And it says something like, hello. Yeah, like, yeah, nice text. <laughs> Anyways, that's my... So it's just kind of a buzzkill, because you're like, I'm going to have a totally great text to read, and there's really nothing exciting that's there. That's right. So, yeah, but other than that, I'm depleted on tournament. Uh, right. It means everything is good. It means that things are not bad. They're um, good. So I, I've, I say this from time to time regarding if you are a fan of the show and you feel like helping us out, um, as much as we like it when you guys like our Facebook entries, if you can share our show on your page, you just might get a free pen. I, we have free pens. We have new shirts coming. Whoa, 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 whoa. We're, We're gonna, not giving away free shirts. Well, we might. We're giving They're away good pens. Ones. Those shirts are expensive. Those pens are cheap. Well, maybe every once in a while we can give away a free shirt, and then people will be more likely to post. Yeah, maybe we'll do a little lottery. Because yeah. we, we are getting new shirts. They have a new saying on the front. I'm wearing one right now. You're wearing the old school one that, that says, says, I, I listen. listen. And we're not going to tell you what the no, new one says. it's going to be a secret. But it's going to be a different color. It's going to be good. So okay. share our show, and then buy Kathy's two books because they're really good. What are they called? Um, self. Aware Parent One and the Self Aware Parent Two, and they are on my face or not my Facebook page. They are on my website, kathycadams.com. You can buy them both for twenty dollars on my website. So that's it. Okay, everybody, have a wonderful week, and we will talk to you soon. Mm-hmm.